Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. Today, um, uh, when I met with Hugh to discuss the topic, um, uh, I knew exactly what I wanted to talk about because it's something I've been living out uh, as a recent recent weeks. And I I challenged myself, uh, can I develop a a sermon this time around without my family knowing about it? Like no dedicated time, no, no overnighters, just my natural Bible reading, methods can I do it and uh, so today's topic is going to be about the lessons I learned while just naturally reading through the Bible and my hope is that I can encourage you um, to pick up the Bible to pick up an audio um, um, app and begin to just slowly make your way um, and make it your own as you read through the Bible okay what I've, what I've uh, quickly realized before I go, I have three points. What I quickly realized is that this stage is not stable. Um, I quickly realized that as I read through the Bible, I began to witness, like, scriptures in my everyday life, like, in conversations, just in my thought process. And, like, even in the songs that we sing, it's like the more I read, the more I see it. It's like if you purchase a car, you don't notice it until after you purchase it and you start seeing it everywhere. And I started to see scripture everywhere. And I, one of the very first things I wanted to get out of the way before we, as we delve into this, is the validity of scripture. Like it's been proven time and time again throughout the centuries how valid it is. There has been over 24,000 manuscripts of the scriptures, uh, all, and they have a common stream. The leadership kings and um, bishops have a prove the scriptures over the centuries. And there's been some, um, there's been some people who are um, um, archaeologists, thank you, thank you, who've validated the scriptures when um, in the New Testaments and in epistles, when they write about that specific time period, they can actually line up it with historical documents. And then last but not least, This is the most common one. You would think that if your enemy don't want your name to be in the history books, they would do something to wipe it out. But time and time and again, the enemies of Jesus Christ have wrote about them. So there's time and time again, and and there's an entire sermon can be delivered just on this one section that proves the validity of Scripture. And that must be done before we move forward because there's some challenging scriptures that's gonna, that, that we're going to go through. If you go through the Bible, you cannot look in the Bible and not see yourself reflected in it. So most importantly, the number one thing is scripture is our foundation. All right? Um, there's a, one thing I noticed is that when scripture, you kind of recognize it when you hear it. 
You may see it on social media. It may be distilled or watered down. You may hear it in movies. And there's one, I'm a movie buff. I think you like movies too, right? Have you, anybody ever seen The Book of Eli? Yes, yes. The Book of Eli, Denzel Washington, he's going around. It's like post-acalypse. Thank you. I'm so glad I got y'all. So he's traveling around, and there's all the Bibles were wiped out. And he holds the last Bible. And the, his enemy is going through all of the land trying to figure out where this last Bible is. Like he's doing brutal things to people to try to find this last Bible. And you know how he found out that the star of the movie, Denzel Washington, has it? Denzel said something, and he recognized it. And that is true with us. When we hear it, like the more you study it, you will hear it. And you'll be able to recognize it. Wait a minute, like that is not something that a business guy wrote. He, he took that from scripture. Like it's, and you, you just started to recognize it more and more. And, uh, and last, last but not least, um, in conversations, I was at a party and somebody was talking about philosophy and how they, 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 they'd like to come together and, and meet up and talk about different philosophies. And one philosophy he wanted to bring up was Christianity. He had no clue that I was a, I was a Christian. And so he said, uh, um, he said some things and I was like, hmm. I'm just waiting for my, my opportunity to jump in and kind of like slightly correct some of his miscorrect, mis, uh, his, what he was miscommunicating about. Um, the opportunity didn't present itself, but he did invite me to their meeting. So I'm going to come prepared to talk about what I believe in. Um, but uh, it, there's several scriptures that talks about how we are to study the Bible so that we can correct those people if they were to misrepresent. Mis, um, what we believe in. Um, uh, scripture is like, it's like uh, hindsight thinking. Hindsight thinking. Have you ever looked hindsight and said, man, I wish I should have did it that way, or why didn't you think about that then? Like sometimes when you have scriptures and you have decisions, and you, you pray about them, scriptures will come in your head, or the, the right scripture will come in at the right time to tell you exactly what to do. And you can go back and you, as you look back, you can say that you can take credit for it, but you know hindsight that you prayed about that situation and, uh, or a scripture helped to influence that decision. You can't really take credit for it. Um, there are certain promises that, uh, that we can have confidence in from the scriptures. And there's a couple that's on the screen. We will go through one of them. Got to set my timer. Um, but I would think that one of the most important ones is, uh, it comes from Romans uh, 10, 38, 39. It's not on the slide, but let me just say that um, this will come up later. Uh, I'll just read it now. It says, Romans 10, 38, 39 says, for I am convinced that neither death or, nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future or any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to do what? Separate us. And one thing I learned about scripture is that the more you invest time in it, people finish your sentences. If nobody does that more than Miss Marie. If you ever have time, talk to Miss Marie. Shoot, the scriptures just come flowing out of her mouth. It's, it's, always, uh, it's always great to have conversations with her. 
Um, number two, uh, as you develop a, a regular habit of, of reading scriptures, you start to grow more. You begin to um, see yourself and confirm your identity in the scriptures. And it's, it's like you're reaffirmed by others. Um, I had a conversation. I'm going to go out the script for one second. I had a conversation with someone, and I, I just started to talk to her about the Bible. And midway through the conversation, I'm like, oh, man, what am I doing? Because it's like a social event. And, and, um, but I kept going anyway, and I was talking to her. And my wife was standing on the side of me, and she just looked at me like I can feel her looking at me like, oh. And, and like the, the scriptures, it reaffirms like who you are uh, through the other people. There's scriptures that talks about how you're supposed to conduct yourself in certain ways. Because onlookers, they're looking, they're paying attention to how you conduct yourself. Um, I was uh, riding my bike with my son. I don't know if you all know, but I have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a five-year-old, and uh, I can use some help. The seven-year-old, um, I had him ride a bike, uh, my oldest son's bike, and he was, uh, the, the wheel was wobbly, I didn't know, because it was hit by, my wife said it was hit by a car, but I don't know what really happened. The wheel was wobbly, he tried to ride it, he went 10 feet, he couldn't ride it anymore, the wheel was too wobbly. So we went out and we bought a bike, and before we bought it, I told him to test drive it, to test ride it. So he rode it and, uh, like 20 feet, and then he rode it back. He said, yes, Daddy, I want it. So I bought it, and as I put it in the truck, and he told me, he said, Dad, that was only my second time riding a bike. I said, what? Like, you, I, didn't, I thought you knew how to ride a bike. I didn't know that he just, he just self-taught himself right then and there. But so we went bike riding, and I found out, I mean, he, he kept growing frustrated because he'll go, and then he'll stop. He'll go, and then he'll stop. And he, and he, he, he didn't know what was going on. And I, I went over there, and I spent the, the wheels. And then I went backwards, and then the wheel stopped. And you know what I realized? I used to have a bike just like this. When you go back, the progress stops. And I found that scripture does the exact same thing. Every time you try to go back to where you were, if you have scripture in your head, it will come up right then and there to warn you. There's a scripture that talks just about this. It says that, um, help me out, forgive me if I say this incorrectly. It says that you will be provided a way of escape. Help me out, Miss Marie. What's that? Yeah, temptation, when it comes, you provide a way of escape. And what I found often is that it's a scripture that comes just in the nick of time. I think your wife, Una, said that, Sam. Scripture comes just in the nick of time. And it's so true. That's there to help us grow, to, pro uh, to keep us from, going, from looking back and to move forward. Um, oh, look at that. It's in my slides. Is 1 Corinthians 10 to 13. Um, it talks about how I put both verses on here because, uh, as Hugh alluded to, as you read different versions, it has different meaning. But NIV verse is the most memorable one. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except that is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way so that you can endure it.
Um, before we go into our last point, I would just say that the, um, having the Holy Spirit helps when reading the scripture. It, it gives me like a, a new different, a, a definition. I've been in a church for 25 years, and I've been around scriptures 25 years before I was saved. Um, so I grew up in a church, and I've heard scriptures. I heard them repeated. I heard them repeated at school. I heard them repeated on, on, on TV. But it has new meaning when you have the Holy Spirit. Yeah? I, I take it by the, the denies that are here that there's agreement that like, you know that you know that you know that it's a total different new meaning when the Spirit helps you to interpret it. Um, uh, Jesus, in, in Mark 4, he was, had a conversation with some people and the disciples were there with them. It was the, about a parable of the sower. You heard about the parable of the sower, right? The parable of the sower? Well, he, they planted seeds and, you know, the parable of the sower. Well, it was, Jesus spoke in parables a lot, these stories that have a deep, significant spiritual meaning to them. He spoke in parables a lot. And after he spoke to them about the parable of the sower, the disciples put him to the side and said, Jesus, what was that about? He said, do you not know? He said, I speak in these parables for those who are like children of God. He used a different language. But those that, are, that, are, that, are, that have the Holy Spirit, they know, they understand. But those that don't, they only hear words. They don't have the same interpretation. They can't interpret it back to that spiritual meaning that a parable is supposed to have. So... Um, that's in Mark 10 when he, he spoke about the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. Last but not least, if I lose you at any moment, it would be here. And I ask for forgiveness right now, but I'm going to just read what's in the Bible. I'm going to share what I saw in the Bible. The Bible distinguishes two groups of people. Two groups of people. There's those that are not children of God and those that are. And it's, it's very clear about who are the children of God and who are not. It's, um, uh, there was a I had a conversation with a woman um, and her husband about inviting them to church, and he was he was all for it. And he turned to his wife, and he turned back, and his wife had a cold look on her face. So I dug deeper. I wanted to find out why. I genuinely wanted to know why she didn't want. She had this. So I asked her, right? She said, "You know, I can see how he would want it. You know, but." You know, just looking at my life, you know, I've done so many good things, and, you know, I just don't see a need for it. That was the first reason she gave. And there's a scripture that came up right away. It said, uh, it said something about our self-righteousness. It's nothing but filthy rags. It's nothing that we can do to, to amount to what God can do for us, what we can do with God. But then she said something, something else. On the, she said that um, I've tried many religions. 
she gave some examples. I tried this religion, which I don't remember the name. I tried this religion, I tried that religion. I even tried Christianity, but it just didn't work for me. And it hit me like, you can't just try Christianity. Like if you do a good one, it only take one time. Just one time for your, your entire life to be changed forever. Not just the life here on earth, but a life thereafter. I love the illustration that you did your sermon. I told you this before, but you had a cord. I wish I had a cord with me. But you had a cord, and it was like yay high, about this length. And you mentioned that this cord, Mike, is our life. And then if you were to look at the, the rest of the cord, which stretches all the way around to the side of the, the stage, it was connected to a speaker, that is eternity. Uh, Christianity didn't do too much for me. You know, you can't just focus on only the goodness that you can produce in this small life because the distinction between the two, one, has an everlasting life. And those that are not children of God, everlasting death. And here's what it says about the difference between the two. Those that are, are dominated by the sinful life, the, the sinful nature. They think about these things. This, you can find this in Romans 8. Please hold me accountable. Go back and read this. Pull it up on your phone. Open your Bible and look. Romans 8 says, those that are dominated by sinful nature, they think about sinful things. Uh, sinful nature, it ultimately leads to death. Not just death on here on earth, but death everlasting. It says, cannot and will never obey God's law, and it just can't please God. But those of us that are children of God, what do we do? We think about things that please the Spirit. We think about things that please the Spirit. I wrote it twice. We have the Spirit of God in you, and it gives us life. And uh, last but not least, you have to have the Spirit in order to be a Spirit of God. You can't just be a good person. You cannot just be a good person. All right. But it doesn't stop there. There is uh, something very, very important to know. Uh, wrath, uh, as I was explaining this, um, the, 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 the question was asked, what, is, what does wrath mean? Anybody know what wrath means? Wrath, yeah? So wrath is a strong, vengeful anger of indignation. Is that word punishment for an offense or a crime? Divine chastisement. Those that are children of God are headed towards divine chastisement. A wrath from God that is so brutal, you don't want to go through it. And that enough alone makes me want to be at a party and share my faith with somebody. Knowing in the back of my mind that if this gets back to the host, you know, they may not want to talk to me no more. Um, but it doesn't stop there for you all. If, you're, if there's somebody in this room, it doesn't stop there for you. There's still hope. Uh, throughout the book of Romans, I love the book of Romans because it talks about what it takes to be saved. And one of the things that, that it it mentions is that we all are in the same boat when it comes to sin. 
Not one of us, no matter what degrees we have, no matter how many years we have, not one of us are perfect. And we all have sin. Because we have sin, we deserve what was on the last slide, wrath. But fortunately, God sent Jesus down to live a perfect life, and he's the only one, only one. No other biblical characters, no matter how much they've done in the Bible, have not lived a sinful life except for Jesus. And I want to go deep, but I can't. I'm running out of time. He was a sacrificial lamb. Please just bear with me. He was a sacrificial lamb, and he had to die. And in that death, he didn't stay there. He eventually rose again. And he did that for us. If we believe that, we rise with him too. And our sins go to the death, the burial with him. Okay? If we believe that in Romans, I think it's in Romans 10. It gives us hope in eternal life. Um, it was very, uh, uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about how um, Paul was sharing his faith and how he was, um, do you all know who Paul, Paul, uh, Paul was? Yeah? Paul, his former name was Saul. He used to murder Christians, and uh, nobody wanted to invite him to Bible study. I mean, I mean, nobody wanted to invite a murderer to Bible study, but here's the thing. God found him outside of the church. He found him on a road. He was headed to go murder more Christians. God found him, found him. He did something to him that forced somebody else to intervene. So Jesus told somebody to go and help him. And, it, and the guy was like, and Ananias was like, no, I don't want to go help him. He'll murder me. I'm a Christian. Why would I go help him? And Jesus said, no, just go do it. So he went and did it. I have five more minutes. And he went and he prayed for him and he received and Paul and saw transformed to Paul from that moment on. So that murderer of Christians went on to write most of the New Testament, began to baptize people. He began to pray for people. He prayed demons out of people. He prayed for healing for people. He did so many different things, not to be compared to Jesus, but he was just a servant for Jesus. So that person that nobody wants to invite to Bible study is now has done all this. So when you're at a party or you have a friend and you don't know if you should invite them, invite them anyway because if it can happen to Saul, it can happen to them. So I don't want to um, conclude this without giving somebody an opportunity to accept Christ in their life, to believe in what he did. Um, I... Growing up, I, I, like I said, for 25 years I was in the church. And there was always, they, they called them altar calls, where people would come up and they would be prayed for. And I avoided them because I didn't want others to, you know, see me in my mess. But it was, took one time for me to come up for prayer. And I came up, and uh, I used to do this thing with my hands where I just do like this. But this one particular time, I lifted them higher. I was ready. I gave in. And like, I don't know, some time passed, maybe 20 minutes. I just woke up. I was crawled up in, in the, 
I was sweaty all over. You know, I don't want, you know, I don't want my clothes to be. I was sweaty everywhere, man. It's not coming off on my. I was, just, I was a mess, but I was free. And it was the greatest feeling ever. So I just want that person, if you are there, to pray with me. You don't have to come up. You don't have to lift your hands up, but in your heart, open it up for him to come in and just pray this prayer with me, won't you? Father God, I am a sinner. I accept it, and I know that I'm deserving of your just penalty. But Lord, but Lord, but Lord, I know that you did something that would completely eradicate all that from my past, and I can come in as a new person. I can leave here a new person. Lord, I believe that, that you died, and you rose again, and it is with that that I can walk into a newness that I didn't have. I pray these things, and I accept these things in your glorious name. Amen. Before we go, I want to do a just job talking about this without giving you just one or two pointers to go from here. One, if you go back one, just make Bible reading, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, if you're an experienced leader or you're a recent convert, find a Bible. My favorite first Bible, I bought it from the Dollar Tree. It was green and it was very hard, but it was a dollar. Buy a Bible, download an app, and just begin just a habitual habit, habitual habit of reading the scripture. And two, it doesn't mean anything if you don't try to use it in your life. If you don't try to look at that situation and figure out how to resolve it using scripture. And last but not least, share it. I know there's some people here who are great at sharing it on social media. It doesn't have to be something big. Just share it with like a mother-in-law or a sister or a friend. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram.